invite you now to join our conversation, an instrument of healing as we share how each of us can grow through times of illness, grief, and loss. Our wish is through these words you will discover a healing community that promotes insight, reignites hope, and nurtures peace. Welcome. Well, hello, everybody. This is Jeffrey Cloninger. Welcome to Conversations with Kelly. I am joined by Kelly Grosslogs, of course, and once again, Dan Marco, who was a guest of ours a few podcasts ago. Dan, welcome back, our friend from Chicago, and hello, Kelly. Hello, and we are so excited to have you back, Dan. Thank you for agreeing to come back in again. Thank you guys for having me. I didn't think I would come back, and I'm well. super happy. <laughs> I know my sister was like, hey, you've always had a, va- a face for radio, and now I'm on a podcast <laughs> oh, again. I'm, I'm not going to say it's true, because it's not true at all, but back by popular demand, Dan, of course, shared a story with us uh, a few episodes ago about uh, the sudden illness of his father, and today we're going to take that a little bit farther and talk about the opportunity that arises out of a crisis. So Kelly, Dan, I really want to kind of get back into that. So we we brainstormed and had this idea um, in the Chinese language, crisis translates into two different meanings, respectively. Um, one is danger and the other is opportunity. And I think I see, I, I see that a lot in my work, that a crisis comes in, whether it be a, uh, an illness, a death, divorce, whatever it may be, but it, and these aren't gifts, right? So those are cliches um, that that opportunities come from it. And Dan, we were so impacted by your story of your father who had sepsis. And maybe just for those that didn't hear, just give us a quick, a quick back, you know, backstory about what happened with your father. Sure, sure. Um, I think when last time I was on the show, it was um, pretty raw. So, but for those of you who didn't, didn't get a chance to hear it, I was with my parents and they were enjoying their 50th anniversary cruise. And uh, while we were on the cruise, uh, my father became sick. He had a virus that we didn't know about in advance. Uh, We ended up getting invited to leave the cruise uh, Hmm. halfway through the cruise. You're welcome to go. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) And I ended up spending, uh, you know, a better part of a month. Uh, with my father alone in Spain while he was in the ICU and uh, we got medevaced home and he spent uh, another month in a hospital. He spent uh, several weeks with me in my house and um, you know, he eventually ended up going back home. He's, he's doing well, he's recovering, but it, um, it, we, we talked about it in the last podcast. It was, you know, and I've gone back and listened to it. It was a lot. So I, I, I'm glad I get to come back. I'm really glad that you invited me to come back. Oh, you know, Jeffrey and I were both so impacted by your story and the fact that you were vulnerable enough to share. Um, it was, it was very raw and I, and I, and I know how grief works and I know how trauma works, that it doesn't mean just because time has passed that it's done. Right. Right. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Like, like it was definitely raw when we talked about it last time and it's still there, but you know, like I, as you move away from it, I think you're a little more objective about it, Mm -hmm. but underlying all of it, it's still there. Like the the trauma and the feelings and all of that, like you, 
you you spend a lot of time processing and you you may never be done you know we talk a lot about that that the event has happened and that's over but you will never lose the grief that's happened or that comes from the event yep absolutely yeah. and you know moving on is such a um, desired thing and it's 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 part of our culture that we want to do and what we have found is that people move with so that you take this with you along for the ride, so to speak. That you you move with the crisis because it, it's ever present. I'm sure when you still look at your father now and if he doesn't feel well, it's like, oh, are we here we go again. So you're moving with it. And I think through moving with something, you can really allow the healing to happen. Moving on from it makes it feel like it stays there and then you run away from it. Or actually, we know that people bring it with them. I mean, it's right. present. Right. What? So the the topic today is talking about opportunities that come from a crisis. Your crisis being um, your father was suddenly ill and you had to be evacuated, um, for a lack of better terms, off of a cruise ship in a foreign country with your father literally between life and death. Mm-hmm. And now you've had some time away from that. How are you different, or how's your family different, or what what good things come? from this? There have definitely been some very good things that have come out of it. I think one of the most impactful or meaningful things, like, you know, my father and I have a complex relationship. We're two very different people. You know, we, we look at things very differently. Um, and that's not good or bad. It's just, we're two different people, but I know that as he was recovering in Spain, I took the opportunity to sit there and say, I love you. Mm. And that wasn't something that's not something us Marco clan, we don't, we don't talk about, but I went out of my way and I was like, you know, I'm doing all of this because I love you and I want you to hear me say that. And wow. I want you to know that I'm saying that. How did he respond? Usually he, you know, would just kind of pat me on the hand or he, he, there was, you know, a nonverbal acknowledgement. There wasn't a direct engagement, but at one point, you know, my sister kind of arrived in, in the middle of the process. At one point he, he, he was feeling better. And I, there was a moment in which he was kind of like, Thank you for everything you're doing. And I don't know what I would have done without you. And I was like, you would have died. So you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I know it resonated with them. And I know that in retrospect, having looked back on the experience now, our relationship has changed dramatically. One of the things that's hard in terms of dealing with an adult parent, if I can go back to the other topic, Mm -hmm. is that your roles kind of reverse. And my dad was always the dad and I was always the kid and, and we were kind of frozen in that kind of, he was 40 and I was 16 and I was like, Ooh, I'm going to drive the car. And you're going on vacation with your parents, right? Like you weren't prepared to have the roles switched right. around where like you that. were going to be the chaperone. Right. right. Now it's definitely the voice changed. of reason. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it, the roles have completely 180. I am now kind of the person that is like, Hey, I don't, think we should be doing this or I'm not sure you should be driving right now I've become the parent and I've become the person who's kind of putting boundaries on things and and saying you know we're going to do this and we're going to do that and I think it's been good I think it's been in a positive development in our relationship I don't think he thinks it's necessarily super awesome to have his son sitting there and being like you're you know now we're going to do this but you said something earlier when we were off mic which was he, he's actually scared of you or actually listens <laughs> yeah. to you now. Yes. That's he, different. He is like, you can tell when, when I'm dealing with him, he's a little scared of me because, and I, I get it. Cause you know, he, 
I, I was his lifeline for a long time. He, you know, he needed my help. If I, if I hadn't been there to do things for him, he would have been in a, in a really rough spot. So I think some of that gratitude is the fact that there's this, I wouldn't say necessarily scared, but there's a respect. So like, if I say like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go see the doctor and we're not going to argue with the doctor. Like he kind of, he puts his yeah. ears down a little bit and he kind oh. of follows the lead. And I think that was one of the really good things that came out of our, our change in our relationship. Well, often people will say that trust can come out of, because you, ha- yes, you have to trust. Absolutely. And it sounds like for your father, he learned or what came from it was his ability to receive and be vulnerable. Yes. Which vulnerability on the other side of that is there's a lot of healing if you could enter into it. Um, and, and it, and I can't imagine what it must be like for a grown man to have to let his son take care of him. But at the same time, how beautiful that he said, thank you. Yeah, he did. You it know? surprised me. And cause I didn't see it coming and it, but it was, you know, we say it's not a, you know, there's, it's not a gift, but it was one of the gifts that I got along the way was that, mm-hmm. you know, my father actually acknowledged, mm-hmm. you know, for that moment, what was going on and the, and the depth of it. You know. Well, and I want to clarify that if if the person themselves is experiencing this crisis and they call it a gift, that's one thing. I, I think that where people, at least that I've worked with in the oncology world, it's when people say, isn't this a gift that you get to, and, you know, we don't get to place upon people. So I just want to clarify the terminology in that. You feel it's a gift. That's the way you, that's the way you resonate to it. I call it opportunities. It's, you know, it doesn't matter. The point is, how do you grow from this experience? And I think that that many people can grow from these experiences that happen. You guys certainly have, and I'm sure, Dan, did you did you also find your voice and in learn your intuition and all these different things that you've had to rely on as a caregiver? Absolutely. I think one of the things that I learned was, you know, dealing with my father became different. Like we typically would have some kind of engagement like a verbal engagement and not anything would necessarily get resolved Mm -hmm. and now is a verbal engagement another word for fight no but it would be about you know it would be kind of tension tension about who's in charge who's gonna who's gonna break it was almost a game of chicken so it's not a fight we wouldn't sit there and yell at each other but it's it would be kind of i need you to take this medicine now And he would be like, I don't want to take it. And then, you know, like those kind of engagements. Whereas now we don't have to do that. Like I have learned kind of ways of dealing with him in which I'm not necessarily coming at him and saying, I'm in charge. You have to do what I say. It's just kind of, it's, it's not articulated. So you guys have developed an intimacy as a father and a son. Yes. And it's it's a caregiver thing too, I think. That, that trust and the caregiving and it's kind of like, and there's a pattern and a routine that comes with it. And I absolutely, I think you're right. Like it's, it's a shorthand now that we have to communicate with each other that it doesn't require him to sit there and say, you're, you're in charge and I have to do what you say. Like, so I, I still give him that space to sit there and, you know, not have to sit there and necessarily say, I'm going to do whatever my son says, you know? Yeah. Trying to give him some empowerment or exactly. control. And, or not necessarily challenge him in his independence and his autonomy directly. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily in my DNA necessarily to, to let people have that space, but I'm learning Another opportunity. Yes. With my dad that, you know, sometimes you have to give them a little bit of space to 
process themselves and process what's going on and the process of the fact that they are now dependent on somebody else for help, somebody else for transportation, somebody else for medication, somebody else for food and, and yeah. not, you know, so many losses for them yeah. and you, I mean, you know, when worlds reverse, it's a loss. I mean, it, it, it is no matter the, what way you look at it. I once worked with somebody that said what came out of the the health crisis for them was that they learned there are multiple ways to love and show love. And because they were working with somebody that couldn't say, I love you. And what really came down to was it was things like the, the person receiving the care to the caregiver would say things like, now have you drank enough water today? Have you, so the, the, almost like reversed within the caregiving experience. But she was very, she perf, she was profoundly affected by how this crisis, which could have absolutely taken all of them out, ended up being something that they learned different love languages between each other. Mm-hmm. And, and actually she went as far as to say, you know, we really consider that the time we became a family. We had been a family for multiple years, but ne- we only coexisted. We never really had an intimacy. And I think when life is threatened, we should pause. I mean, there should be a pause. We're still going to be angry with each other. It's not like this happens and then it's roses from there on out. But how beautiful that you and your dad now have this understanding and that he could be vulnerable and you could show up and be present for his vulnerability, not take advantage of it, really understand it. It sounds like you even have some empathy for it. I do. I, I think it must be hard. It you must know? be hard. But to and how great that that's where it's evolved from this. We're going from initially like you are going to take this and you're going to do this now and you're going to do it when I say you're going to do it to this place now where you've landed where it's there's more empathy empathy like dad I need you to take this and if you want to take it now or if you want to take it in a half hour that's fine but just you have to take it right well and I mentioned to you like initially my first reaction was anger I think you talked about a little bit about what anger really is that anger isn't really anger when it gets right down to it it's it's fear Mm -hmm. right so when you as a caregiver or you as a person who's dealing with another person can kind of process the fear and process the anger and process the emotion and kind of process it in a way that's not necessarily impacting the relationship. So you're not sitting there and saying, you didn't do what I say and I'm going to get angry and I'm going to get flustered and I'm going to, you know what I mean? And just kind of sit there and say, I'm going to try to put that aside and give you some space to kind of process what you're processing and process my stuff on my side and not give in to the anger and, and the emotion of it. I think that's definitely a step forward, you know, because beautiful. I, yeah. And I, you know, in the initial podcast, I was like, I was on, I was surprised at how angry I was. I was surprised at how afraid I had gotten during the whole episode. And as time has gone on, I realized that it was just fear, you know, yeah. and you, you know, when you now, whether you're the patient or whether you're the person who's taking care of them, if you can process the fear or deal with the fear, yes. find a place for the fear and then kind of, or even realize that that's what the motion is yes. like you, where, where it's going. Yes. Then I think you're in a better spot. Oh, absolutely. And I have, I can think of multiple times where I um, used to work in an emergency room at a very busy urban hospital and the amount of time that people would come in and family members or even patients would be incredibly angry over something whether they didn't get served 
right away or possibly I was removing a child from a home or whatever it may be in the amount of anger. And really what I would do is just um, sit down with them as long as it wasn't violent. You know, if it was violent against me, obviously I had to put constraints on it. But I would just ask people, what scares you the most about this? And I think that's a really important thing to do if you are a caregiver or in relationships with people and they're very angry you want to acknowledge it. This is really hard. But I think when it comes down to it, like, let's open the door to have a connection with somebody. Anger is something that scares us all. It can be, especially for men, it can be a very comfortable, more comfortable, I should say, emotion than fear or anxiety. Yes. It, you know, it can be like our knee jerk. I'm going to be angry. But if I, if I were back there in Spain with you and I'd let you have that anger for a moment, but I'd really want to sit down and just say to you, Dan, what scares you the most about what's going on right now? And that is a question that forces people to pause. Right. And and really get down to what is under that erupting volcano. Because when we can get to that, we can actually move with it. Right. And just from my own personal experience, like if you had asked, if you had been there in Spain and asked me that question, it would have been that I'm responsible in some way for my father's illness or him potentially dying. Wow. Right. Like that's a lot. It's a real talk right there. That's some real talk. Real talk with Dan and Kelly. (laughs) But Jeffrey. Well, and Jeffrey, you know about this too, as somebody who's, who's had chronic illness. Like when you deal with the emotion itself, like, as, as somebody who's got the, the illness, I mean, what do you deal with? Where, 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 do, where do you put that anger? Is it fear? Is it something else? It's all kinds of things. Right. It is fear. I'm, I'm an empath, right? So I'm worrying about the person who's caring for me as much as I'm worrying about me. Mm-hmm. So if you think about what your father might have been going through, even if he's a, kind of a guy's guy and not showing it to you, he, he's a guy's guy going, I got to be strong for my kid, right? Mm, when true. I was diagnosed as a diabetic in 1992, I was sitting in there, and I think I said it on the last podcast about that topic, was I saw my mom with a great deal of fear, and I thought I had to take care of her and protect her, right. and I was the sick one. Right, and, mm. then, and so you end up kind of carrying their water a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh my gosh. So when you talk about connecting Kelly and having conversations, it's so important because we're all feeling something. Yes. We're all, when one person is in this case sick, we're all sick. Right. Right. When one person is sad or angry, we're all sad and we're all angry. It's, it's absolutely. And it reminds me of when I worked on an inpatient hospice unit where many times the family would say, hey, don't tell dad he's dying. And then dad would say to me, hey, don't tell my kids that I'm dying. And so what came as an opportunity was to bridge the communication in this family. Right. And so I would often say, hey, come in here. Your dad wants you to know something you already know. And so (laughs) we'd come in and then I'd say, I had just had a really interesting conversation with you in the hall and you in the bed. And it's the same thing. Like you're dying. And so it was an opportunity to, because family secrets were a big part of this family. Right. right? And so it was an opportunity before he died to do 
forgiveness work and to do all of this stuff. And I know they were trying to protect each other, but they actually weren't. Right? And it's so interesting that we all think that we have to process alone, right? Like we yes. have to deal with our own luggage and it's a dirty secret. And you know, not all of our luggage can go in the overhead bin. Like, you know what I mean? Like I am definitely been guilty of this myself. Like I, I, I felt like I had to process things I'm myself. I'm so glad you bring that up. Yeah. And you know, but a lot of people and I'm not to stereotype again, but I think men, do this a lot too. They feel like they have to process themselves and without expressing what's really going on or they they express it in terms of anger. Or, you know, they, they yeah. get emotive. In a, in, Their in vocabulary a, about this is so different. Yes. You guys are so funny. They. It's like, <laughs> like it's you. It. Hello, I'm the, I'm the they over here. Like, <laughs> I, I'm the other. Uh, it's so cute. But, you know, does that resonate for you guys oh, when absolutely. I say that about anger and fear? And yeah. anger is is... Oh, it's, it's much more comfortable. And what anger does is it just keeps us perseverating over and over again. And what fear in getting at the root of what's under that helps propel us, actually. I mean, that it really helps us to get through it. And, you know, and they're normally, you know, Dan, we talked about meltdowns and, you know, and we joked about it. But I think that's when people break open is when you really acknowledge and see them. You know, how often do people really ask us? And how often do we really share when we're asked? Exactly. Right. I mean, it's a very, how are you? Good, I'm fine. But I mean, but really, and you talked about those two friends that called you, like they weren't the, how are you at the grocery store? They were truly wanting to know. Right. And and they, I mean, I was so blessed to have those two friends in my life, but um, yes, the, those, those things, those connections are very important in, in, impactful. And you talk a little bit about it in your last or one of your other uh, podcasts when you talk about like people coming up to you and saying, oh, you know, call me if you need anything. Mm -hmm. And like there are people that you that will make the effort that will show up that, you know, say to you, I will show up, I'll bring you dinner and stuff like that. And when those when you have those opportunities, when you have those people in your life that you're like, this person sincerely wants to come in and, and find out about what's going on, you have to take advantage of yes. it. You have to open the door and let them in. And when somebody says to you, Jeffrey, how are you doing today? And be like, well, mm -hmm. here's the thing, right? It's yeah. a long story, but. Yeah. I found myself doing that a lot more now and I'm right. more comfortable doing that. Well, you asked and you're going to get it. Yep. Right. Yeah. This, this is this how is I'm why I doing. don't ask them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Just, just tell me you're fine. No, Dan, you're just so, you know, again, it'll, it'll be a pivotal time when you look back on, on your dad's crisis, not so much from the trauma standpoint, but how the relationship has maybe changed or even your confidence in yourself. You know, you talked on the last podcast about you didn't, you thought you would be better at this and, and actually this, I hope as you've come, as you're, as you're traveling through this, I hope you realize you're actually better at it than you thought you were going to be. Yes and no. I thought I was going to be able to kind of move through this without being touched. You know what I mean? Or being changed or altered or challenged. And um, I think I talked about this last time I was here. It, it just doesn't work that way. You're, you know, the wheels are going to fall off the bus at some point. You're going to get challenged. You're going, you're going to to find yourself it's in gonna a, be messy right in yeah. a bad situation and it's not really about kind of avoiding it it's it's about mitigating it and dealing with that but yes on the whole i do feel there's been a lot that has come out of it that's been good and in the process of you know 
being served up some lemonades or lemons. I've made, I've been able to make some lemonade and that's a good thing. I think anytime that you can take a bad situation and make something positive out of it, that's very important. And you know, more time is going to yield likely more opportunities from the original crisis. Isn't that so true for you, for your dad, for your sister, your entire family, right? And you have no idea what's coming next, but because you've been open to this point and you were flexible, really when it happened, you didn't break because you were flexible. If you, if you were not going to yield to this at all and you were going to be strong and you were going to do it perfectly, you actually probably would have been broken. Yeah. I I definitely think so. Beautiful point. And I, and I, one thing I really encourage people this might be a nice way for your family is when you get together is to actually verbalize out loud the opportunities that you have realized. And and maybe people will join in the conversation and maybe they won't. But it's nice that because so much of the focus has been on the negativity of this naturally, because that, you know, when there's a crisis, that's what comes to the surface is the danger. And as we see time go on, we realize that it's more the opportunity. So I, again, I'd encourage that for people listening to sit down and, and maybe process out loud. And Dan, it's, it's just so nice to even see your confidence in just a couple months time. Oh, it's really come around. And I, as before, Jeffrey and I really wish your family the best and your you. dad healing. Thank so, you. Thank, thank you guys so much for having me back. I really liked it. Well, like it might become like the Jeffrey, Kelly and Dan oh, stop podcast. It. We're a thing now. <laughs> <laughs> but really you you keep healing and keep being present and let this opportunity let the opportunities arise for you. Truly. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Pleasure. Thanks everybody. And thank you to our listeners. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this CWK podcast. It's our hope that these words bring comfort, healing, and insight to your life, wherever you are and whatever you're experiencing. Please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow and like Conversations with Kelly on Facebook. One quick note, we've done our best to share some ideas, tips, and techniques to help guide you. This podcast's content is not intended to be a substitute for or constitute professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to seek professional medical advice if needed. Thank you.